KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. All sorts of things just going through your mind. Again, you're not familiar with, with San Diego. You don't know anybody here. If, you, if you're not sure if, if the engaged, if, if my wife's going to say yes or not, uh, you know, making that transition from a place that's been called home for, for 20-something years, well, 20 years, and then knowing that I needed to get a job right after leaving the Marine Corps six months from then, uh, you know, I, I really wasn't thinking a lot about San Diego except, you know, what's going to happen here in the future and uh, being nervous and uh, a lot of pressure, I guess. Welcome to My First Day. I'm Andrew Bragan. Long before becoming the first Latino police chief of the San Diego Police Department, or leading the Chula Vista Police. David Bejarano was a quiet, athletic kid from public housing in El Paso, Texas. It kind of sounds funny to say this about a former police chief and well-known lawman, but it's true. What brought David Bejarano to San Diego was love. But before we get to that story, we need to go back to his time in El Paso when David met Esperanza. Uh, we actually met about 10 days before I joined the Marine Corps. It was the best man at a wedding for a good friend of mine in El Paso, and she was one of the guests at the uh, at the wedding. Just before I left to go home, he came over and invited me to his going away party. He said, "I'm going to have be going to the Marine Corps. I'm having a party. You want to come over?" And I said, "Sure." So he gave me the address, and that was a few days later. It was really at his party that we we met and and really got to know each other a little bit better. He introduced me to his friends and his mom. He didn't want me to leave the party. I went with my sister, and he's like, why are you leaving already? I said, I have to go home. <laughs> I have a curfew. <laughs> I grew up in a very strict Catholic home. For me, I thought he was very handsome. I, I, I thought he was gorgeous. <laughs> I really did, and I just fell in love with his beautiful eyes and just his demeanor, you know, very quiet. He was very, very quiet. And I thought, well, it's interesting how this you know, young person is so active in school, going to the Marine Corps, but yet he's kind of on the quiet side. When I introduced him to my mom in El Paso, uh, before he left to the Marine Corps, I, we went on a date, and, and my mom afterwards tells me, what do you see in this little chubby guy? And I said, oh, mom, he's so sweet, he's so kind. And that night, I mean, that was our first date, he gave me a, a gold chain with a little diamond in it. A little heart, and I thought, wow, that that meant something to me. Cause I thought, who gives you a golden chain with a heart and a little diamond on it, on a first date? And I and I thought, that's really really nice of him, really sweet. But my mom's like, he gave you that? What what what's going on? What what? How long have you known him? <laughs> but I told her, I said, mom, he's very very sweet, very kind. You you'll love him. We actually probably dated only once or twice. Uh, uh, within a one-week period before I actually left for uh, Paris Island, South Carolina, for the uh, for boot camp. I knew that I wanted to see him again, and it was hard for me to say goodbye. Even though we had just met, it just doesn't seem like you could have feelings for someone that fast, but I did. And with his mom crying when she saw him going away, and that was, you know, made me cry too. <laughs> so I was like, oh, we're all crying at the airport. The story of their meeting and courtship sometimes sounds like it could have taken place centuries ago. No emails back then, uh, uh, no cell phones, so <laughs> the cross-country relationship, a lot of writing of letters, uh, waiting in line there at the barracks to use the, uh, the payphone. 
to, to make those calls. So, uh, and we only saw each other probably maybe twice over those three years. And so that's how we communicated. My sisters and I were talking about it yesterday because they came by and they were like, so you, you guys didn't really date. And I said, well, we kind of sort of did, but not really. <laughs> I think, well, for me, I know that when I write, sometimes it brings out deeper feelings than if you see just somebody in person when you're more intimidated. And I don't know if maybe that made a difference. And then, I mean, I look forward to hearing his voice when he would call. Because it's not like today where you hear the voices and call people every day several times a day or FaceTime or, you know, it's it wasn't like that. You, you longed for the person more than the courtships of these days. I would also write to his mom. And his mom would tell me a lot of different stories about her son and just little little bits and pieces that I would hear about him. And, you know, I put them all together. And he isn't your normal um, guy that dates all these girls and a little Latin lover type. He, he wasn't. You know, I saw how much he loved his mom. I saw how good he was with his little sister. I just think he was just one of the good ones. <laughs> Didn't want to let him go. <laughs> like David, Esperanza, known as Espy, also came from El Paso, Texas. Here's her story of... My first day. My brother was in the Marine Corps, and he was injured in Vietnam. So he was brought to Balboa Hospital. And so we would come and visit him. My parents would come and visit him often, and they loved San Diego. And then another brother came to live with him. And I told my parents, we've always wanted to live in San Diego. Let's go to San Diego. In my mind, I needed to apply to college if I was going to be um, moving. So I applied and it was kind of late in the, in the game to apply to state or some of the other schools in San Diego. So the only one that was accepting applications was USIU, United States International University. And I applied, I was accepted and so I moved with my brother. It was really a shock at first because I had to start. I came at the last minute, so I had to start school. I had to go and fill out forms. And I remember my brother saying, you know, you're on your own. I, I have to work. My wife has to work. My other brother was working. So my brother says, drop me off. You can take my car and go to school. So <laughs> I'm driving a Corvette. It's stick shift. And I, I learned how to drive stick shift, so I knew how to drive it. But... Um, USIU had a really high hill that I had to go up, and I could not, for the life of me, go up that hill. So I kept stalling, and the car kept, you know, turning off. And some Persian student that was there came up to me and said, uh, do you need some help? Do you need me to drive it up the hill? And I said, yes, please. <laughs> so he drove the car up the hill because I, I could not. I filled out all the forms, and I applied for financial aid. And while I was there, they said, well, you know, what, how fast do you type at the financial aid office? And I was telling them how fast I type. He goes, you, you need a job, you, you're hired. You can work right here. So they hired me. I was working in the financial aid office, so going to school there. And it paid for my tuition. It was perfect. It was just like a, a perfect fit. While I was here, I missed my family terribly. I, I just felt that I needed to be with them. So my brother and I one weekend decided we're going to go for them. 
we, we rented a U-Haul truck, packed the house up, and we moved. <laughs> While Espy and her large family were building their new life in San Diego, David was on the other side of the country, serving three years in the Marines. His first time in San Diego was an important trip for him, one that would change the direction of his life. Though now largely retired, you can still hear the law enforcement officer in his voice as he tells the story of... My first day was in December of uh, 1977 uh, when I came out. I actually flew that time. And that was my, actually my first time. I was in the, so I, I saw very little of San Diego. Again, there was just, I was still in the, uh, the Marine Corps and I uh, was here for probably about three days a weekend for the most part. My uh, mother and father also met me here. And uh, that was to uh, meet with my uh, future wife, uh, Espy, and her parents, and uh, actually ask uh, her father for, uh, you know, the hand in marriage. My sister was getting married, and she asked both David and I to be part of the wedding. And so he, you know, I asked him if he wanted to participate in the wedding, and he said yes. And that's when he came. His parents were also invited to the wedding. As soon as they arrived, they put their luggage in the hotel, and then came right over. He brought his parents, and he brought a friend along as well. So I thought, oh, okay. And it was really funny because when when I met him, he used to play football in high school, so he was pretty hefty. And as I saw him coming, passing through the kitchen window at my mom's, I'm looking at him like, which one was David? He passed by so fast. We, he and his friend. And his friend was built like him. But then I saw this other guy that was much thinner, and it was David. And I was like, when I saw him, I was like, whoa, <laughs> he's lost a lot of weight. I mean, boot camp can do that to, <laughs> to you, I suppose. But um, I, I was startled at first that he had lost so much weight. Probably never been more nervous in my life. The, the anxiety level, the, uh, the pressure, all sorts of things just going through your mind. Again, you're not familiar with, with San Diego. You don't know anybody here. If you're if you, not sure if the engaged, if, if my wife's going to say yes or not, uh, you know, making that transition from a place that's been called home for, for 20-something years, or well, 20 years, and then knowing that I needed to get a job right after leaving the Marine Corps six months from then, uh, you know, I, I really wasn't thinking a lot about San Diego except, you know, what's going to happen here in the future and uh, being nervous and uh, a lot of pressure, I guess. Did you rehearse before proposal? Oh, without a doubt, yes. Uh, I've, uh, I, I did rehearse, and, uh, and even then I was uh, quite nervous, yes. And she had a large family. Uh, she comes from a family of 12, uh, so she had uh, you know, some older brothers and sisters, and uh, that was um, you know, quite nervous, uh, some anxiety there, and uh, a lot of pressure there with a, a big family. Like most stories, some details differ depending on the one telling them. I think she had a, uh, an idea uh, that... Uh, Probably wasn't a big surprise. And to my surprise, that's when he proposed, when he came to my sister's wedding. It went fast in my mind. I remember my sisters being behind, you know, in the hallway, listening to everything, because he just, you know, it was just for my parents to be there. And my grandma was also living with us at the time. And uh, they were all, you know, there, and he got on one knee and... And I was, I was just surprised, and he asked my parents for permission to marry me, and his mom and dad spoke. And my mother-in-law mentioned something about, oh, my son is such a wonderful person. And, you know, she was telling us, telling my parents what a wonderful son she had, which, you know, we knew how wonderful he was. But my grandma said, well, you know, 
Espy's just not anyone. You know, she's she's a, a great person. She's got great demeanor. I mean, my grandma just like, because my parents are very humble and very quiet. They wouldn't say anything, but my grandma <laughs> spoke up for me. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my goodness, <laughs> what's going to happen now? You know, his mom's going to be upset. <laughs> I actually had asked her father first, and then I, you know, did the old traditional down in the knee with the ring, and, uh, no, will you marry me? Despite a sassy grandmother, and to David's great relief, Everything turned out okay, as Espy's father gave his permission, and Espy said yes. And the father was, as I recall, said yes, um, you know, pretty quickly. And then uh, I was lectured quite a bit on and the faith and, uh, you know, and being a husband and those type of things. Throughout their marriage, David balanced the stress and demands of life as a police officer with that of a husband and father. His quiet yet pensive nature, so evident to Esperanza on the day they met, remains. David remembers a particularly difficult case involving the brutal murder of two children back when he was a newly promoted police captain. You know, sometimes maybe you feel guilty. What else could we have done to prevent this? But, but you heard inside, and then, uh, and then you go home, and uh, you know, you, you're with your wife here, with your uh, children, and, and those, those flashbacks, those memories of the scene you saw is still with you. You know, you're able to maybe talk to your wife about that, but uh, it's hard to separate it from, uh, you know, bringing it home in your personal life because we're human like anybody else. You just don't turn it on and turn it off. Most of the time, he just kept it to himself. He, he didn't bring it home. And, and it was, to me, very amazing person because he would, you know, deal with what he had to deal at work. And I know that it's very stressful. And he would come home and... He'd be a husband and a dad, and he would just put that aside. Now, after being married for nearly 40 years, family and the traditions that come with it remain important to the Bejaranos, as you can tell when hearing of the engagements of their three kids. Uh, you know, very traditional, actually, in both of our families, that, uh, you know, that's the way it's always been done as far as a proposal, asking for the future in-laws for their hand in marriage that... Uh, that was the case with all three of our children, our two daughters and son. And Something that I think is really important because you don't just marry the person. I really think that you marry into a family. I wouldn't want to marry somebody that my parents w wouldn't approve of. And I think our kids felt the same way. No, I thought about giving them a hard time, but uh, no, it was, it was pretty easy for them. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can always subscribe to hear more at NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for My First Day and look for a little image of a rising sun. You can also find us online at kpbs.org slash myfirstday. I'm Andrew Bracken. My First Day was produced by me for AB Squared Creative Group, music by Chris Curtis and David Seste. Thanks also to Andre Boryakin for art support. Support for this program comes from the KPBS Explore Local Content Fund supporting new ideas and programs for San Diego. For KPBS, Melanie Drogseth is programming coordinator, Nate John is innovation specialist, Jill Linder is programming manager, and John Decker is director of programming. See you next time.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.